Chapter 6 Sean tiptoed in the living room to see Arlen with his nose nearly glued to the 46-inch television screen. Quietly dropping to his hands and knees on the carpeted floor, he crept up behind the unsuspecting child. He lowered himself flat on his stomach just behind Arlen's head. He was just about to scare his son when Arlen began verbalizing his thoughts. Oh no, Qui-Gon Jinn's in trouble! The young child's speech paused as he frantically worked the buttons of his video game controller. You can't beat me! I'm the greatest Jedi ever! Hey, no, that's cheating! God, this game cheats so bad! Damn it! Hey, Sean called with a warning in a firm but calm voice. Arlen somehow managed to lift his butt off the ground from a seated position and perform a quarter spin in midair while never releasing his grip of the game controller. He chanced to look over his shoulder at his father as he landed. I'm sorry, Daddy. The startled boy's face grew redder with each passing second. This game keeps cheating. Well, I understand that, but that does not give you the right to cuss, now does it? Sean was striving to be firm, but the amusement of his son's tirade curled the one side of his mouth in an involuntary smile. No. Obi-Wan Kenobi having a little trouble these days, huh? Sean said, allowing his son free from the hook he seemed to be on. Yes, I hit that guy with my lightsaber three times, Daddy, and he didn't die, Arlen said, attempting to plead his case of the fraudulent game. I suppose those games can be cruel like that. You really love this Star Wars stuff, don't you? I want to be king of the planet Naboo and marry Queen Amidala, Arlen's eyes opened wide, threatening to leap from their sockets at any moment. He, at last, had an audience to speak to about his passion. I love Queen Amidala. She's hot. Arlen, Sean said with a chuckle. You're a little too young for using hot when you're describing a girl. Besides, girls have cooties, remember? Sean placed his hand on Arlen's back, rubbing gently. Listen, Daddy has to go upstairs and get a shower. When I'm finished, I'll call for you. You need to come up and get your bath. Alright, but I can still play my game right now? Well, yes. I didn't say you had to come up now, did I, you little stooge? Sean pressed his fingers under both sides of Arlen's ribs and began tickling him. Arlen rolled around on the ground in uncontrollable laughter as he struggled to catch his breath in order to speak. Okay, okay, I'm a stooge, Arlen giggled. But as soon as Sean released his grip, he added, But you're a fart sniffer. Sean dove back in for another tickle, but this time he directed his assault on Arlen's tummy. The pair rolled about on the soft shag carpet laughing as they both attempted to achieve the upper hand. Arlen ended the struggle by sitting proudly on top of his dad's chest and pinning his back and shoulders to the ground. He placed one hand on either side of his father's face and lowered his head until they were nose and nose. Arlen's eyes inadvertently crossed as he tried to focus on the eyes of his dad. The tide of the battle had now turned, as Sean was the one who could not control his laughter. Listen, buddy, the cross-eyed boar warned. I am the best Jedi Knight who ever lived. I throw myself on mercy of the council, Sean answered. Let me see what Yoda thinks. Arlen straightened up and turned his head away from Sean's sight. What say you, Master Yoda? Arlen's Yoda voice was more comical than clever. Release him, you shall. Arlen turned his head back to face Sean. Okay, I'm gonna get up now. Don't try anything funny. I promise, Sean said, raising a palm in the air. No more tricks. Arlen rolled off his dad, managing to scoop up his controller as he rolled back into the cross-legged seated position. Sean turned back onto his stomach and kissed the child on the cheek, but he had already lost Arlen's attention to his video game. I love you, Stooge. I love you too, 
Arlen muttered as he struggled to concentrate on the action unfolding on his television screen. Sean rose to his feet and headed for the staircase, knowing the battle would continue later, or as soon as the child lost interest in the video game. Jennifer was ten minutes into her drive and immersed in thought when she suddenly glanced down at the fuel gauge. The needle was balanced slightly above empty and already in the red zone. Her face flushed with anger, she recalled asking Sean to fill the gas tank for her last night. The man forgot everything she placed in his brain. Football stats were no problem, but anything he deemed inconsequential was destined to die of loneliness up there. He had been extremely forgetful over the years, from birthdays and anniversaries to misplacing the keys to the car, so she always tried to be patient. She knew his memory was a source of frustration for him, so she rarely made it an issue, although she often wondered how he managed to operate his own business. If she stopped to get gas, she'd devour all the time she used as a safety net to arrive at work. She'd already been late for work twice this month and a third time could mean disciplinary action. She was also concerned about jeopardizing her ability to leave with her family at 3 o'clock. She conceded to finding the nearest gas station and hoped the remainder of her drive would unfold without hindrance. She steered the car off Interstate 76 via the first exit with an available convenience store. As she entered to pay for the gasoline she would pump, she was greeted by the scent of coffee. She decided to take advantage of the opportunity and purchase a cup of their French vanilla before reconnecting with the highway. After pumping her gas, she eased behind the wheel and started the engine. Noticing the time as it popped up on the display of her stereo, only 10 minutes had expired off her drive, but that time could easily be lost in heavy traffic or new road construction. She rejoined the interstate and pushed the car a little faster than she would normally dare to drive. The speedometer hovered near 80 as she took control of the passing lane. She sipped her coffee and tried to relax her nerves. The aroma of the brew was better than the slight bitterness of its taste. A disingenuous smile spread across her lips as she shook her head in disgust. Her life had always carried a slight bitterness to it. She wondered why she had not come to expect it by now. She'd apparently inherited her father's flair for misfortune. Even through her childhood, circumstances frequently arose at the most inopportune times to taint the positive. She was the only child of Sue Ellen and Donald Gray, a prominent English teacher and a speech therapist, respectively. Donald was a seraphic gentle soul who cared for the happiness of others long before he considered his own. In his youth, he was an accomplished concert pianist who could have achieved greatness until his father intervened and forced him to relinquish his dream. His father expected the soft-spoken young Donald to be more masculine and to apply his talents to college and collegiate sports. He struggled for years to ascertain his own identity until his father died when Donald was 27. Donald worked for the local school district as a speech therapist when he met Sue Ellen, who was teaching high school English. Sue Ellen was held in high regard amongst her peers until allegations of abusive behavior towards the children and a nervous breakdown left her unable to cope with her teaching duties. Jennifer and her father spent most of their time appeasing Sue Ellen during Jennifer's youth. Sue Ellen was critical and demanding, although her eyes showed a feeble weakness of defeat as if the loss of her teaching position had drained her final ounce of dignity. Jennifer could recall a Sunday morning when she was 10 years old. Sue Ellen had been in control of her emotions that day. The family had returned home from church following a rare appearance by Sue Ellen. They had also enjoyed a wonderful breakfast at a local restaurant. Jennifer could remember how well her mother looked that day, carrying herself with her previous eloquent grace. She could remember how beautiful her mother looked in her flowered summer dress and how she could never recall a time when her parents looked so much in love with one another. After they arrived home, Jennifer went searching for her kitten that had been missing since the previous evening. Still wearing her peach-colored cotton dress, she searched the edge of the woods near the family's home in hopes of finding the feline. 
the tall grass and dandelions slowly turned to underbrush and peat moss as she drudged deeper into the woods. The soil had been saturated from a rain the previous two days, and the moisture released the sweet aromas of the vegetation. The trunks of the large maple and pine trees cascaded upwards to meet a powdered blue sky. Their branches fanned out into brooms of green leaves and pine needles. The canopy cloaked Jennifer in a world she ruled. Guarded by tree gnomes and guided by the sparkle of pixies, wild jasmine arose in the slight breeze that moved beneath the ceiling of branches. Rays of sunlight broke through the partitions above, shining down to project a welcoming glimmer on the ferns that were strewn above the ground. Scores of broken twigs and pine cones crunched beneath her tan leather sandals. She had traveled nearly half a mile into the dense brush and trees when she heard the cat crying from inside a sinkhole. The kitten had been unable to claw its way up the near three feet of muddy earth to safety, so Jennifer laid flat on her stomach to rescue the tiny kitten. Jennifer wrapped him gently in the frill of her dress and carried him back to the house. She had rescued the kitten, marching out into the clearing as the heroine of the forest, eager to tell the tale of her good deed to her parents. As Jennifer reached the edge of the front lawn, her mother exited the house with her father in tow. When Sue Ellen saw Jennifer's dress, slightly torn and heavily soiled, her eyes glazed over with a fury and a haunting detachment. Don attempted to calm Sue Ellen as she stormed across the front lawn and grasped the child by the arm. He tried to explain that it was an accident and Jennifer was not at fault, but Sue Ellen began screaming at the child as she pulled her towards the house. She could still remember the raspy voice of her mother shouting, Look at you, you filthy little girl. Do you know what happens to filthy girls? The incubus gets them. As Jennifer was being drugged into the house, her kitten leapt from her arms and ran beneath the front porch as Sue Ellen continued her very embarrassing public tirade. Even now, Jennifer could still picture the look in her mother's eyes, wild and bulging hideously from their sockets, as Sue Ellen dragged her into the house. She could still hear the threatening words that screeched through the otherwise calm air on that Sunday morning. She could still see the red fury flowing through the whites of Sue Ellen's eyes. Red that she suddenly realized was the breaking lights of the silver Mitsubishi Eclipse in front of her. In the freeze frame of an instant, Jennifer's heart sank into her stomach, wheels locked, tires squealed, but the distance between the vehicles continued to close.